A reading from Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Well, good morning. My name's Jason, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, before you even ask, no, I normally don't sound this sexy. But, uh, yeah, I have the crud, as they say. Um, so I'm purposely staying away from people, if that's okay. I'm not, I don't have COVID, if anybody's wondering. Um, just just sound like it or something. But, uh, so, uh, enjoy. Yeah. This is what you get today. Um, but I do get the privilege today of uh, delivering part of today's sermon. And um, I want to start today by... Honestly, I want to reveal a little secret about church people that most people don't like to talk about. How's that for an intro? Um, in fact, most Christians, uh, when confronted with this, we won't even admit it. Um, in fact, if you are a church person, what I'm about to say, you're going to hear me say it, and your instant reaction is probably going to be, he's not talking about me, okay? Um, but I am. Um, but... Uh, uh, based on what I've experienced, I'm pretty confident that um, I'm pretty spot on on this observation. Here's a little secret about us church people. I believe most church people, even though we say we are Christ followers, we are Christians, most of us live our lives day to day as practical atheists. Now, here's another secret. Um, what I just did there, it's called delivering the sermon hook. Uh, when you go to places like Bible college and seminary and they teach you how to do this and to teach people the Bible, they often tell you, you need to hook them right at the beginning. So say something controversial or say something that'll stick in their memory, something really surprising or shocking, and they'll listen to everything else you have to say. So how is that for a sermon hook, right? Most people, most of us who say we're Christians, in reality, are living the majority of our lives like there is no God. Now, I want you to hear me say this. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not trying to shame anybody. Um, I think most of us come by it honestly, and I think we're all guilty of this. Um, nobody does it intentionally. We don't intend to live this way. Part of it, I think, is not even our fault. I think it's just baked into our culture. Um, our 21st century American culture, it's kind of like the water that we swim in, you know, and a fish swimming in water doesn't know he's in water. He doesn't know what water is. It's just, it's just the surroundings. I think that's a lot, has a lot to do with it. We are swimming in a culture that promotes this. And what I'm talking about is this culture that we live in that's basically based on self-sufficiency. 
Self-sufficiency is probably one of the most highly praised values in our world and in our culture these days. Think about the people that you are told to admire in our culture. The people that we are told we should look up to, that we hold up as examples of heroes or legends within our culture. The people we make movies about. The people we honor with award ceremonies. These are the people who started out at the bottom or they had some tough circumstance in their life that they, that they had to overcome. And by hard work, determination, true grit, they rise to the top. It's the underdog story. It's the comeback story. We love a comeback underdog story, don't we? We even have a phrase that we use, right? We call it pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. What does that even mean? But listen to the presidential debates over the next year and count how many times they say it. It'd be a good drinking game. They say it a lot. You should pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, we say that in our culture a lot. And we don't even think about how ridiculous it sounds because it's literally physically impossible. In fact, you can Google this later. When that phrase first came into use in the early 19th century, it was used as a joke. It actually came from an old legend about a guy who crossed over a river, and he did it by lifting himself above the water by pulling up on his own bootstraps. Now, you don't have bootstraps, but try it sometime. Just reach behind you and grab the heel of your shoes and pull them both up at the same time. Gravity wins every time. You can't do it, right? But that's who we admire, and that's my point. People we praise, people we idolize, those are the bootstrap people, the ones who did it all by themselves, who didn't have to rely on nobody to get where they are in this life. So... Back to my original point, when I say that most Christians live like practical atheists, this is what I'm talking about. We say we believe in a God who is real, a God who can be trusted, a God who we can rely upon for every single thing in our lives. But when it comes to the way we actually go about living our day-to-day -day lives, we live completely self-sufficient lives. We live like, well, everything depends on us. Everything depends on me. But I don't want to start by just talking about how we live. I want to back up a few steps today for our time together, and I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about how we pray. Because I believe that mostly how we pray is based on this same idea, this same approach to life that, it, that basically is ruled by self-sufficiency. If you're here last week, you know we started a brand new series, and we're calling it Practicing the Way, the way of Jesus, the way that followers of Jesus go throughout our lives. And one of the main things that Jesus taught his followers to do, and if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no getting out of this. Followers of Jesus are praying people. You can't follow Jesus. You can't practice his way in life if you're not a praying person. But there's all kinds of weird ideas about prayer. I mean, we talk about prayer a lot in church circles, but here's what I find when most of the time we talk about prayer. When most Christians talk about what prayer really is, what I find is that we do a really good job of dumbing it down. We do a really good job of trying to make it so simple and so non-offensive and so less intimidating or less difficult. And we say things like, well, prayer's simple. Prayer, all it is is just talking to God. Just talk to God. You don't need formulas. You don't need fancy words. 
Just say what's on your mind. Talk to God. That's what prayer is. And I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss that definition because there's truth in it. I don't want to say it's 100% wrong. But I think it's interesting that when Jesus was asked about prayer by his followers, he didn't dumb it down. He didn't try to oversimplify it. He didn't, I mean, you, you go through the New Testament and you look at how he interacted and, and there's lots of talk about prayer. Jesus never looked at his disciples and said, guys, come on, you don't need to learn, learn how to pray. Prayer's easy. Anybody can do it. Just relax, just talk to God, say whatever's on your mind. No, actually Jesus said the opposite. He said, oh, you need to learn. <laughs> you need to be taught how to pray. So when Jesus would talk about prayer, he would get very specific. We just read a passage of scripture where he talks about it. I want to read a portion of that out of a paraphrase called the message. And I love the way uh, this author puts it. He said, Jesus says this about prayer. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Jesus was always very clear in his description of prayer. This is not about me. This is not about my thoughts. Prayer at its essence is about God. And the focus should always be on God. In fact, Jesus would go on to those same followers and he would say this. He would say, when you pray, pray like this and then Jesus gave them some very specific words to say it's become the most recognized prayer in all of human history we just read it you've heard it you can probably memorize it at some point in your life it's the Lord's prayer people still recite thousands of years we've been reciting these words at ball games and churches and everything in between right but the Lord's prayer is not just these random thoughts that you just make up out of your own head to God it's not just simply talking to God I mean have you ever really stopped to analyze what you're saying when you recite the Lord's Prayer? I mean, you ever really stop to think about what that prayer is? Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, God, reveal who you are. You are other than me. And I need to have put you in your proper place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, the world is messed up. And we need you to set the world right because we can't do it. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, keep us alive. Give us the food that we need to survive because we'd starve without you. Forgive us of our debts. Forgive us our sins, Lord. We can't make it without your mercy. Deliver us from evil. Lord, we're doomed if you don't protect us. Do you see it? In light of what we just talked about earlier, in light of the self-sufficient cultural water that you are swimming in and I am swimming in, in a world where our highest value is being strong and capable and accomplished and successful, where we all pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, where we live like practical atheists and as, as if it all depends on me. Prayer stands as this act of rebellion. No, it does not depend on me. No, it is not all about my self-sufficiency. And it is not about the culture that I live in that tells me that I can pull myself up. It is not that. Prayer is where we cease our declaring our independence. And we cry out and confess our complete and utter dependence on our Father in heaven. There's a song we like to sing a lot around here. In fact, I believe we're going to sing it later on in this service. And if you've been around here, you're probably familiar with it. But sometimes I wonder, we sing these songs and I wonder... Have we ever really thought about what we're singing? And 
do you mean it when you say it? The song goes, for my waking breath, every time my lungs expand, every time I take in the oxygen that I need to stay alive, I depend on you, not me. For my daily bread, every calorie and nutrient that I need to exist in this life, I depend on you. For the sun to come up, for me to fall asleep and rest at night, I depend on you. For your spirit to lead me through life, because I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do, I depend on you. For the victories in front of me, for me to accomplish anything in this life, not bootstrap living, I depend on you. See, what I found is that when most of us pray, we, don't, we just talk to God with our own thoughts. We say what's on our own hearts and what's our own, on our minds. We pray this self-focused, self-sufficient tendency, and it just takes over our prayers. Have you noticed that a lot of times when you pray, I have, I wind up just tugging on God's sleeve, trying to get him to change people and change circumstances in my life, try to make my life easier? That's what happens. Why? Well, because I got stuff to do. I got great things to accomplish. I'm over here working. I'm building the life. And God, if you could just kindly get busy doing what I need you to do, you could help me get this stuff done. And that would be really, really great. But you know what? God, if you decide not to, that's fine. That's fine. I can take care of it myself. See, that's not dependence on God. That is using God and using prayer as a method or just a tool to assist me in my own self-sufficiency. So if prayer isn't just talking to God or listing out our requests, then what is it? Author and pastor Brian Zond says it this way, the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you want him to do, but to be properly formed. Now, most of us don't pray this way. Most of us don't pray with the intention of having ourselves change. Our prayers are really about changing God or our circumstances or other people. Because in the end, my prayers are really about me. I am at the center of my prayers, and if I can just get everything and everybody else around me to fall in line with my own intentions and my own agenda, then that's really what I'm after. And when that's the case, what else has prayer become for us except an attempt to prop up our own self-sufficiency? There's a story from the life of Jesus where he's just visiting with some friends on a normal day, having dinner over at their house. But there's this little encounter recorded for us that illustrates vividly this tendency that most of us fall into when it comes to how we pray. The story begins. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Have you found that your prayers mostly look like Martha and not at all like Mary? Look at Martha. She's in the kitchen and all the pans are banging around. She's got three or four different pots going on the stove, another dish is burning in the oven, ingredients all over the counter, sweat pouring off her forehead. She's got to get all these people in her house fed. And there's her sister sitting on the floor at the feet of Jesus, just soaking it all in. So she goes to Jesus. Jesus, can't you see what I've got going on in here? Can't you see how stressed I am? Stuff needs to get done. 
So Jesus, can you get my sister to change her way so that my day will get easier and my agenda will get accomplished? Now be honest, how many times have your prayers sounded pretty much like that? I'm the first to say I'm guilty. But notice who Jesus praises in this story. Jesus points to Mary, sitting at his feet, looking up at him, intently listening to what he is saying, hanging on every word. Mary is not the least bit concerned about dinner. Now my guess is that Mary has just as much to be worried and concerned about as her sister. She also has a to-do list. She also has an agenda of things she needs to do and get done. But right now, in this moment, she's completely and utterly dependent on Jesus. So look over this scene one more time in the kitchen. Everything depends on Martha, but on the floor in the living room, everything depends on Jesus. So what if practicing the way of Jesus looks less like praying a self-sufficient to-do list that I'm trying to get God to get on board with, and more like sitting on the floor at his feet, releasing everything and everyone in my life into his care like a fully dependent child? One of the reasons that I was really looking forward to and excited about teaching this message to you today is because this this idea of prayer um, has been shifting my my thoughts these days, and it is right at the front edge of what I'm learning and growing in right now in my life. Because somewhere along the way, it got really extremely clear to me that about all I was coming to God with were these very shallow, self-centered prayers. And my experience of God, to be quite honest, it wasn't very close. (laughs) It, It felt more like I was working and I was doing and I was coping with all kinds of things in my life. And then I would pray that God would get involved or he would take something away or Maybe he would fix something that I needed fixing, and then if he didn't, well, then I would just go right back to what I was doing before. I put my head down, I grip my teeth, I get back to work, and I deal with it. And for me, prayer was more about forming God into my image than God forming me into his. And I talk to so many people who say to me, God just doesn't feel close right now. I wonder what's going on. I think this is part of it. So these days, I shift my focus. I'm I'm trying. I'm really trying. And like I said, I'm in the very early stages of figuring this out. So don't come ask me to teach no class on this. I have not figured this out yet. I'm really, I'm just trying. And I don't even know if it's possible to have all the answers to this stuff. But here's, here's just what I'm discovering so far. I'm finding that if I spend more time being honest with God than I spend time making requests to God, my connection to God is becoming closer and more intimate. And my prayers start to feel more like I'm being changed rather than me trying to change God or in a lot of cases, trying to change someone or something else. I am becoming convinced that one of the reasons most people don't find a close, intimate connection with God is because we have not learned how to be emotionally honest with Him. We are not honest with God. Um, And I'll tell you where this came from. I discovered this in my current work uh, in doing counseling. 
many of you know that I've been um, working as a clinical mental health counselor for quite some time and being trained in that way. Um, and what I find is one of the most common things that I'm working with in the counseling sessions with people is we're just simply trying to learn how to understand what we feel, what the emotions are that we're going through, and how do I name them, give them words, and express them in proper ways. And the more I've been doing this work, the more apparent it started becoming to me of how shallow and how selfish my prayers were and how unemotional they were. And how they were really keeping me from a real, dependent, honest relationship with God. I'll give you some examples. And, and I bet you're a lot like me. So that's why I'm bringing this, because I think most people are like this. When I pray, I say the same things over and over and over again. I really do. I just find myself repeating the same stuff. And here's what I boiled it down to. Most of my prayers become three things, three phrases that just get repeated over and over. God help me. God be with me. And God forgive me. And the problem is not necessarily that those are bad prayers. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer to pray. But when I pray only this way, I approach God as if, and this is just me, this is what I wound up doing. I would be approaching God as if he didn't already have the desire to do those three things. And somehow, I, my job was, in my prayer, I had to convince him to do those three things. And what I found was I was viewing God not like a loving father who wants nothing more than to help me, be with me, forgive me. But my prayers became about me trying to perform for him or to say the right things or to be good enough in some way to get God to do those things. Which again makes my prayers more about me than it does about him. But what happens when I approach God for who I already know he is? See, the God that was revealed to us in Jesus what if I stopped trying to shape and change God and I just prayed prayers that allowed him to shape me? And I just kept going back to those words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. We read them earlier. Find a quiet, secluded place and don't be tempted to role play before God. I was doing that. I was playing a role. Be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. So there's the honesty. There's the openness. The focus shifts from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace see when I'm only focused on my own self-sufficiency and my own agenda I will role play before God I will try to manipulate him because I've got to convince him to do what I want him to do so in that moment I can't be honest with him because then my prayer might not end up working for me so these days I'm just trying to pray prayers that are just simple and emotionally honest because I'm not praying to convince God to help me. <laughs> I'm not praying to convince God to be with me or to forgive me because the God I see in Jesus, he has already proven that's what he will do. He's already promised me that. So what does it look like to shift? What does it look like to pray, pray an emotionally honest, sincere prayer? Well, it may look different for everybody, but I think it looks a lot like this. Instead of me praying God desperately help me help me help me here's what I do I come to God and I know first of all he is already helping me <laughs> he's been helping me this whole time his heart is already turned towards me and I don't have to get that done and so my words come out different now I say things like this God I'm so afraid 
I'm not sure I can do what I have to do today. I feel like I might not make it. That's what I feel. So I'm leaning on you. I need some strength today. Instead of me praying, God, be with me. I just sit and I remind myself for a few minutes. There is no place that God is not already there. I didn't need to pray that prayer. So what do I pray? I pray, God, I'm weak. God, I'm anxious. God, I'm worried. And I am so forgetful. I forget all day long that you're with me. And when I do that, I just go through my day and I just feel so alone. So I depend on your presence. Help me. Remind me all day long that you're with me. Instead of begging for God's forgiveness and wondering if I did enough to earn it, which I did that for a long time, or is God getting fed up with me listing out all my sins to him, I just pray, God, I'm, I'm ashamed, I am guilty, I need mercy. In fact, I have this prayer that I pray about a dozen times a day now. It's, it's an old prayer came up with ancient times ago. It's called the Jesus Prayer. And it's simply one phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I probably pray that prayer a dozen times all day long. I'll just whisper it because I just know I'm mercy of God is my jet fuel. It's, all, it's, it's, it's what I run on. And so I just remind myself all day long that's what I need. And I am coming to realize these days that if I can be open and emotionally honest with God, prayer really does begin to shape me. And I start to connect with my Heavenly Father on this deeper relational level. I recognize where my emotional needs are in, in my day. I start to see where I'm weak, and I start to admit it, which then allows God to provide his strength in me because where I'm weak, that's where he can be strong. I actually stop searching to get my emotional needs met in other places and in other people, and I start leaning on God as the source where I get those needs met. And here's the cool thing. The more I've begun to do this, the more I find the strength and the safety not only to open up to God, but to open up to other people. I guarantee you, if I had tried to pre preach what I'm preaching to you five years ago, I could not have done it. I could not have been that vulnerable with you. I, could, I, just, didn't, I just didn't have it in me. I don't want to look weak in front of these people. Y'all, I'm weak. See, not only does my love for God grow in this way of approaching him, it actually makes me able to love people more and to be more open to people and to just be who I am. And, and here's the thing. We know this is what Jesus has modeled for us, right? I mean, don't we see this in Jesus? Think back. Remember the night before Jesus went to the cross? The night before he was going to be beaten and flogged and nailed to that cross. Jesus takes a few close followers out to a garden. He says, guys, we're going to go pray. And in that moment, Jesus just opens up his heart. He lays it bare. He says these words. He says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That came from the lips of Jesus. He was admitting his weakness in that moment, the burden that he was carrying in that moment. And then he looks to his heavenly father and he says, I don't want this. I want another option. I do not want to have to go to the cross. Anything but this, father. In fact, 
we know in one of the eyewitness accounts of this incident that Jesus prayed so hard, he got so emotionally distraught that the eyewitnesses tell us that he sweated drops of blood. That's an actual physical condition that people can have. You can be so stressed and so burdened and so weighed down emotionally that your sweat glands can rupture. Jesus experienced that. He was so stressed. He was so burdened. He was feeling so weak in that moment. And he pours out his heart to his father. And by the end of this honest prayer, by the end of this experience, Jesus, his prayer actually began to shape him because he follows that prayer up with these words. Father, in the end, not what I want, but what you want. I depend on you. You do whatever you think is best. My life is in your hands, and I trust you. But he had to first go through that emotional honesty and that agony. Brothers and sisters, this is the way of Jesus. Not the way of self-sufficiency, not the way of strength, not the way of independence, but the way of dependence on our Father in heaven who provides us with all the strength that we need. But we must learn how to pray to be shaped and formed in this way. And it's not easy. <laughs> Trust me, it's not easy. Because it goes against everything you feel. It goes against everything that this culture has told you is wise. That is, that is acceptable. That's just the way it's supposed to be. It goes against everything. But didn't Jesus teach us that his way would not be like the world's way? His way would be different. Didn't Jesus say, hey, if you want to find your life, if you want to experience true life, here's what you do. Give it away. You want to find life, first lose it. What? See, it goes against everything your culture tells you. Strength and weakness, success through serving, and living by dying. That's the way of Jesus. So, my hope for us today is that we would begin to learn how to pray with our hearts in total surrender and total dependence on our Heavenly Father, trusting that He really is the God that Jesus revealed to us, and He will do everything that He said He would do. So, we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to try and do it. We're going to honestly speak with our Heavenly Father. And Molly's going to come, and she's going to lead us in that time of prayer. Take a position to sit upright in. Maybe place your hands on your lap or turn them upright. And let's begin by closing our eyes and slowing down our breath. Let's take three deep breaths in and out. And now continue to breathe at this pace as I lead us through different spheres of our lives. Let's begin first by focusing on our bodies. Try and be present to whatever you're feeling. Is there anywhere you carry stress or anxiety in your body? Or maybe there's an insecurity you carry about your body. Or maybe you have an illness or pain in your body. 
Would you talk to, honestly to God about that? Tell him how you feel. Don't focus on fixing anything or praying any spiritual prayers. Just be honest. Let's take a moment to do that now. Now, let's think through our relationships. Begin slowly bringing to your mind those in your life. Don't try to pray anything specific. Just allow whatever your honest feelings you have to come to your mind, positive or negative, and bring them before God. Don't judge these feelings. Just become aware of them. And let's take a moment to do that now. Take a moment to allow whatever emotions or thoughts that are deep within you to rise to the surface. Maybe these emotions are ugly or uncomfortable, insecurity, jealousy, bitterness, or thoughts will be, our thoughts will be something you don't always want to acknowledge. But don't judge them, just simply allow God to meet you here. Let's do that now. Now, would you just take a moment and release whatever is within you to God? Don't focus on fixing these thoughts or these feelings, but just simply be with God in this moment. You can trust that he's already working all things out for your good. So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, teach us how, not, how to bring all that is within us before you honestly. Help us not to role play before you, but instead abide with you in every thought, emotion, relationship, and circumstance in our lives. Help us learn what it means to remain connected to you as a branch is connected to a vine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.